welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and we are here today to talk about the fifth track on Kate's debut album, The Kick Inside, called The Man with the Child in His Eyes. He's here again. So today on the podcast, we have Jason Taub, and I'm over here in Virginia, and you are, where are you located in this I'm in, great big country? I'm Oregon? in Vancouver, Washington. We're right across the Columbia River from uh, Portland, Oregon, in the beautiful oh, wow. Pacific Northwest. All right, so we're here, to, we're going to be talking about the man with the child in his eyes, which I understand is kind of your your go-to favorite Kate song and everything. Uh when I first heard this song, I, 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 it was in the fall of 1978, and I was 16 and sent to live with my grandparents. I was living in Southern California, a rock and roller. I was sent to this <laughs> little dusty town in South Texas. I didn't know anybody, and I was lonely. And, you know, one night I caught this creature on my VCR... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the the video goes with the song as as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned, you know. And um you know, I was just blown away. I'd never seen such a thing and um you know, her facial expressions and her pleading you know, really hit my, you know, 16-year-old brain just at the right time. And uh <laughs> You know, and I had this incredible feeling of deja vu, which I can't explain to this day. That so bad that I actually asked my grandparents, "Don't we know her?" You know, <laughs> and they're like, "Silly boy." You know. So, and then uh, I watched, must have watched that video a hundred times, and then my grandmother erased it. <laughs> oh no! <sighs> you know. For her football game. So uh, she was lost. I, I went to the record stores and they didn't have any idea who Kate Bush was, you know. And um, mm-hmm. one night on Saturday Night Live, there she was. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight has come all the way from England. This is her first time on American television. She's very wonderful. Will you please welcome Kate Bush? I caught that, and this time when I saw her, you know, instead of being, you know, my peer, another teenager, this this was a woman sitting on the piano, you know, and oh my gosh, that, you know, mm-hmm. vavoom was all I could think of. <laughs> well, she is very attractive. Oh, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it stuck, you know, that song, and, and that's, I kind of call that my Genesis song, if that makes any sense, because even in the beginning of the video, she's like in a, a fetal position, you know. This mm-hmm. this is how Kate Bush was born to me. I had never heard Withering Heights. It had been another year since I'd heard Withering Heights. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is this is the song that you know brought her into my life, and she's always been there with me, and I've been a fan all these years. 
Uh, sometimes I call myself the original lonely American Kate Bush fan. <laughs> you know, it was, for a while it was just me and Kate. <laughs> you know, so that that's this this song is very personal to me. So those are some of my thoughts on that, this song. My personal thoughts on the song, I think it's one of the most beautiful songs she's ever composed. I think that the the melody I think it's a case of the melody and the words just fitting. T- it just fits together so well. Like sh- that, she's got this beautiful yearning melody that goes with these equally yearning and beautiful lyrics. Oh. I mean, that's got to be a lucky guy. Yeah. That she, I'm serious. <laughs> I, that no is wonder a lucky he has guy. issues. I mean, <laughs> 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 Wait, the one that got away. Well, and certainly, like when I actually uh, a little personal story I have with this song, like. I found the sheet music for it, and I brought it to my singing teacher because I thought it'd be fun to do this with my singing teacher. Even sure. though my voice is not quite as high as Kate's, mine's a little bit, little bit lower. Than <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I brought this song to her, and my teacher had never heard of it. Most uh-huh. of the artists that her other students brought to her, like sh- people were bringing her Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus sure. and all the other pop people. And then along comes me like, hey, there's this Kate Bush that I want to sing. And my voice teacher had never heard of her. So she pulled up the song on YouTube. And afterwards, she said, this is really pretty, but it goes all over the place. (laughs) And I said, and I'm like, well, but that's kind of why I like it. She also said, is she British? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yeah, she is. Why? And she said, well, because she says, focus on the day that's been instead of then. Right, and I just I, that had never occurred to me. I'm like, eh, whatever I list, maybe because I listen to a lot of British artists, it just I don't really notice. Well, <laughs> so many British artists try their hardest to sound American. Yeah, she never did. And that's what I liked about her is that she she stayed true to who she was. She wasn't. Sure. She wasn't like, hey, I'm not going to try and sing in a flat middle American accent like all these other British people do. Right. I know I am singing. Very English. So, so this this song is, you know, as time goes by, I'm sure it'll be known as one of her best songs. You know, it's one of her greatest mm-hmm. songs. It's it's pure. You know, it's it's not a layered, put together, assembled song. It's it's just her and a piano, and and you know, it's a very pure song. There's no other song quite like it that mm-hmm. I've heard. So, it's one of her greatest songs. I totally agree. Yeah, it's certainly the one that when it when I got to it on the whole story because that was that was like my first that was actually the first CD of hers uh-huh. that I got. Um, that one stood out to me. Yeah. So it, oh, it, it's because it it it's catchy, but it's not like I'm gonna beat you over the head with this hook. Like I would just get throughout the day, I would get that ooh, he's here again mm-hmm. part like in my head. Well. I work in a shop, auto shop environment, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're playing rap and, you know, the latest Metallica and or whatever, you know, and uh, I'll come up and I'll put this song in and I get silence. People will stop and listen, uh-huh. listen to the song. I've never been told, turn that off. You know, yeah, it's it's a beautiful song. There's no denying it. Thank you. 
And to think this came from a 13-year-old. She was 13 when she wrote this. Yeah. I mean. I know. I Seriously. Like, <sighs> on the one hand, I can kind of believe it because I'm a teacher myself. I actually uh-huh. teach homeschool kids. Uh-huh. And a couple of my students are really precocious. Okay. But then you compare that to, say, other 13-year-olds that I know of that, oh, goodness, uh-huh. no. Kate Bush is, like, up here. Y'all are right, right down here. Right. <laughs> Right, right, and and the, I think the stuff that's being cranked out nowadays, is, you know, is formulaic, and so. Mm-hmm. Actually, do you know how when it was recorded? Well, I understand it was one of David Gilmore's, you know, demos. Yep, it was one of a couple songs that he did with her, and David Gilmore is the co-lead singer and guitarist for Pink Floyd. How did you actually interact with her first? Where did you first run into her? Um, she was the sister of a friend of mine's friend. And who you know. And this, yeah. And uh, my friend came to me and said, listen, my friend has a little sister who's really groovy, you know. Um, have a listen. So I said, all right, I'll have a listen. But, um, you know, I was kind of busy at the time doing other things. And I didn't really have the time to get deeply involved with it. So I just spent some time listening to the tapes doing some demo tapes with her and stuff and picked out the songs sent her into a studio and made three masters which I then took to EMI and said do you want this and they listened to it and said yes we'll have it please and, uh, and they put two of, the, two of the tracks which were those demos on the first album but they were recorded like two or three years before yeah it was one of the first demos that she ever did with him uh-huh and I'm kind of curious, I really wish I, I, I'd love to know why they didn't re-record her vocals, why they didn't take the original arrangement and then have her sing it a couple years later. Because I was record that song and a uh, saxophone song right. were recorded at about the same time. And it sounds, the vocal, her, her voice sounds different between that song and then Wuthering Heights oh, and sure. everything else around it. And I wonder if they didn't kind of make her sing in that high, paley voice through the whole, right? And I almost get the feeling that she kind of sort of didn't want to because mm-hmm. later on she did re-record with Withering Heights with the the way mm-hmm. she wanted to. So that was like one of those, I, you know, I, I suspect that was one of those details that she claims, you know, she didn't have control of, and she wanted to wrestle control, complete control of her art for that very reason. Um, she actually sounds younger on the later songs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think she, she purposely recorded Wuthering Heights to sound like a ghost or something. But yeah, you know, the other ones, you, you got to wonder if they weren't telling her, higher, higher. So just... And also, I think maybe some of it was that in the time that she got signed, because she got signed, and then they, depending on who you talk to, either they didn't know quite what to do with her, so they kind of kept her on so that she wouldn't go with a different record company or what, that probably in that space of time between when she recorded Man with a Child in His Eyes and then all the other songs on the album, that's the space of a couple of years. And when yeah. you're a teenager and you're singing, I mean, I know for personal experience, my voice changed between the time like when i was 14 
and I didn't had never taken voice lessons before. And then when I started taking voice lessons two or three years later, uh-huh. that wow, that it, it was a world of difference. Okay. And I guess she just kind of hadn't, you know, found her vocal style, like her Kate Bush vocal style. Right. 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 Well, like she could. She, you can see you, it's there because she doesn't. You know, because she she doesn't pronounce her R's and she she says Bean instead of Ben. Right. But like the. Kate Bush vocal quality is not quite there yet. No, no, it is. beautiful still. I really, I really, really wish that this song had been, I know it was a big hit in the UK. Uh In fact, it hit, look at my little list here, hit number six. Never went to number one, but it did spend 11 weeks on their charts. On our charts, it charted at number 85 and spent four weeks on the charts. Never got any higher than that. Yeah, well, we were into the Bee Gees at the time. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of had different stuff going on. And admittedly, we have a larger music market, so it's a little, I think, harder. I would imagine it would be harder for foreign music artists to kind of break in the british i mean yeah i mean the bgs were british too so i i think that maybe she or somebody had decided that americans wouldn't understand her so they didn't even bother to try it's as if they didn't really bother to try to market her here and actually that is and actually that is the case um, she, she was asked actually at about this time period when this song was hitting the charts, um, to be the opener for Fleetwood Mac. Uh-huh. And she said, nope, don't want to be the opener. Don't want to do it. I don't know. And <laughs> actually, and the only time she was on American TV was that, that Saturday, Night. Saturday Night Live appearance that you mentioned. Right. The only time she's been on American TV. Well, honestly, I think the thing with Kate is that she just didn't want to play the uh, the touring around the world and touring all across America to try and make it. She just went, you know, it is what it is. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. And I think that's part most of it. And also might have might be that American radio just didn't know what to do with her. Like, is she pop? Is she rock? She's we need to categorize this. <laughs> What do you think the What do you think the song's about? Because it's it seems a little enigmatic, I think. But what do you think it's about? Well, I think it's about uh, being a child in your heart, and when you, no matter how old you are, trying to maintain that childlike quality, and uh, you know, and I, I am accused of this quite often by my wife. She <laughs> says she has she doesn't have two kids; she has three kids. So, oh. <laughs> and I and I don't apologize for it. I was like, that's on purpose. And th- th- this song and you know other experiences in my life is, is that's that's where I've gone with it. It's it's intentional. So, you know, I, I go play with the kids all the time. So you know, this is mm-hmm. kind of where I go with this song. What it means to me. And there, there's it's got lots of levels to it. But uh, that's that's mm-hmm, the main definitely. 
the main thing. Like I was just on songmeanings.net, uh-huh. and there are a lot of people that have actually very different views on the song. But I'm I'm with you, honestly. To me, to me, this song is a young woman who is at kind of in awe of maybe a boyfriend or a loved one. She does. She doesn't really. I don't really think it's clear whether it's a lover lover i mean it could uh-huh. be even be her older brothers because i know she was the youngest of three kids and she had two older brothers i think of it as like this young girl who's looking at somebody she loves and he still has a lot of childlike qualities about him right I, so i'm with you on that interpretation yeah, right i mean that's easiest to me <laughs> I, i'm sure there's other interpretations that i didn't even dawn on to me till much later later in life you know but, uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, when I when I hear, you know, her talking, uh, singing about, you know, uh, him lost on some horizon, that kind of mm-hmm. makes me think it was a, an imaginary boyfriend mm-hmm. or, you know, her imagination at, what, what, 13 years old. So, you know, I imagine it was more abstract than that i i don't know the exact what her explanation of what her inspiration was well actually there was a lot of speculation for years like oh who did she write this about like who is the special guy it was actually revealed a couple of years ago that it was steve blacknell who was her first boyfriend and that was the one that she wrote the song about okay and um, she wrote it about that her first, first boyfriend, boyfriend who is actually still around I and I contacted him, him <laughs> to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I I saw on a Kate Bush news. I've kind of been a lurker of there uh-huh. for a long time. Um, just in general, really, with the Kate Bush fandom, like I've always kind of been like I've been on the outside looking in and I've never really gotten too involved in it. Sure. But on a Kate Bush news a couple of years ago, they posted that the supposed man with the child in his eyes uh-huh. put the lyrics up for auction that she had given to him. <laughs> and I, it was a shot in the dark, right. but I thought it would be really neat to reach out to him uh-huh. to see what he thought of the song and everything. Also kind of thinking, well, I know he got a lot of publicity for it when it first came out. So he might not want to talk, but he actually graciously declined Uh-oh. and said that, he he brought it brought up a lot of uh, a lot of things that he he, he promised he wasn't going to go back to, which I totally respect. Okay, but you know he he was very nice about it. He was very nice, and I I I'm really glad that uh, glad he replied. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of makes it real. <laughs> I know. It's like oh wow, so you are actually the man with the right, challenge. Right, like, awesome. right. Okay, so well you know, I, I I've always thought. Well, you know, me and my narcissistic sixteen-year-old uh, mind. I thought she was singing to me, so you oh. know, that's how it felt. I'm sure a lot of men in Britain probably thought that. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, and uh, you know, it, it's vague enough t- to to where you know anyone can, yeah. can feel that. Um, so this is almost like folk music, almost in, in a certain sense. You know, you can really hear her Irish roots in a song like this. And that's with a lot of her music. A lot of her music has this kind of folky feel to it. Uh-huh. I think because honestly she's more of a storyteller. 
she's not like oh yeah i'm gonna bear my soul about this this big feeling mm. i have it's it's more hey i'm gonna tell you a story yeah she goes into character yeah and I feel like this one is, I almost feel like it's kind of half character, half not. Cause sure. Because obviously she, she did write it about somebody. Uh, but on the other hand, it's her telling, she's telling us from the point of view of could be any young girl. Right. Talking right. about somebody that she loves. Right, right. The, this song, the, the man with the child in her, in her eye, in his eyes, you know, as time goes by, will float to the top is one of her greatest songs, you know, just because of, of it's so pure. Is that the word pure? <laughs> this, this song, uh, I also think of is, uh, Peter Pan, you know, uh, sometimes I, I never thought of that, but you're right. I, I, you know, I think of, you know, him coming to the window and visiting a young girl is, is someone mm-hmm. who is perpetually young. So th- that's a, yeah. another level I've, I've thought of this song. It's as if she's describing Peter Pan. And it's funny because on the album after this, on Lionheart, she does In Search of Peter Pan. True. Right, right. So I also like, I think what I especially like about this song, I don't know if you've noticed this, uh-huh. but... I like how sensitive she is about men because I can't think of a lot of female singer songwriters who right. are, who aren't always, Oh yeah, that man did me wrong. Right. But instead like it's, she seems to not this song. I think it, it's, it's one of the, it, it's one of the many songs I think she had that she has in her canon where she's talking about male and female relationships uh-huh. and it's not negative. Right, right. It's just here it is. You know, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. correct. And it's this. Oh yeah, you know, I see men as these wonderful creatures who still have a little bit of a childish, uh, childlike quality about them. Sure. Yeah, because we and it's not. Oh, that man did me <laughs> wrong. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I get a lot of eye rolls from my wife of the silly things that I do, <laughs> and there it is. You know, she she's same with my husband. Not the person. Hu- sometimes I'm like, oh, honey, why are you doing that? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah, um, um, that's the moral. If there is a moral to this song and that it is, it's not, you know, to be childlike. It's it's the way to go. You know, the happy. Yeah. The happy Buddha. You know, you got to be. I know. You find that child inside. Because, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to be, find yourself at the end of your road going, oh, you know, I forgot to enjoy the ride. <laughs> so. Yeah, actually, she says here, this is from a Self-Portrait, 1978. The inspiration for the man with the child in his eyes was really just a particular thing that happened when I went to the piano. The piano just started speaking to me. It was a theory that I'd had for a while that I just observed in uh-huh. most of the men that I know. The fact that they are little boys inside and how wonderful it is that they manage to retain this magic. I myself am attracted to older men, I guess, but I think that's the same with every female. I think it's a very natural basic instinct that you look continually for your father for the rest of your life, as do men continually look for their mother and the women that they meet. 
I don't think we're all aware of it, but I think that it is basically true. You look for that security that the opposite sex in your parenthood gave you as a child. Hello. 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 Who are you? David Lang. Hello, David. What's your question? Um, you know one of your songs, The Man with a Child in His Eyes? Yeah. I want to know what the meaning of the song's about. Oh. Well, it, it's something that I feel about men generally. Sorry about this, folks. <laughs> a lot of men have got a child inside them, you know, that they're more or less just grown-up kids. And that it's a, it's a very... No, no, it's a very good quality. It's really good because a lot of women go out and get far too responsible. And it's really nice to keep that delight in wonderful things that children have. And that's what I was trying to say, that this man can communicate with the younger girl because he's on the same level. And I do yeah, once, kind of agree once with that. Yeah, once mom hits, there's yeah. a change. I uh, Yeah. And certainly, like, my friends, some of my friends that are already having kids, like, the, the wife is very serious. So sure. why are you doing this other thing, that this other little hobby? And I'm going, but, but, he, enjoy, but he enjoys doing that. Right. It's okay. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, my husband loves video games. Like, he and his friends, they get together online and they play video games. And I know some of my friends, because some of my, my girlfriends are married to some of the guys that are that play with my husband. And they get a little grumpy at them, like, oh, he's always on playing video games, rah, even though they're not playing it all the time. But as for me, like, I love that my husband still loves video games. I don't think of that as a childish thing at all. I know a lot of people do. But, you know, you got to have some sort of hobby. And why can't you still enjoy doing something that you enjoyed when you were a kid as an adult, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just kind of how I see it. <laughs> what really gets me, and just like the whole thing on the first out, her first album, how mature a lot of those lyrics are. Yeah. Like, I do teach some students who probably are, do kind of think on her level, but I know I wasn't like that when I was 13. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She kind of makes me think like this song like makes me think of like hey, this is like the really interesting girl who sits in the back of the class who doesn't really say much but right. she's always noticing things. Right. And it kind of and validates she would be the kind that. of person I wouldn't want to be friends with. Sure. Like hey, you seem like a really cool person. Hey, you want to hang right, out? Right, right. The weirdo. <laughs> she's a weirdo. I know. She's a good kind she of weirdo. Seems, yeah. She sees things yeah, she sees things differently, and maybe that's also part of, like, in this song, and I kind of get this you know, sense that certainly with my the guy husband, that she's really talking like about, that. nobody understands him because he's still got this childlike quality to right, him. Right. But she gets him because maybe people don't get her. And she's like, hey, we get each other. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I write a lot of lyrics and kind of think, like, deep stuff so i'm always like really analyzing things oh i'm sure <laughs> you can you know overanalyze it but you know i've always thought that you know an, an artist writes a song or puts their their music out there to the world and they might own it but in a certain sense they no longer own it yeah. because you know we get to interpret it and, you know say say i'm an old beetle head i grew up on the beatles you know, they were my nursery rhymes. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody knows we, we all overanalyze the lyrics of the Beatles. And they themselves are like, you know, they're just songs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you can do this with Kate for sure. I mean, that's 
why I, I like her so much is she's just as ambiguous enough to where we can do this with her, her music is we can, we can say, Hey, it means this and it means that. And, and, you know, put our own interpretations into it. You know, where so many other artists, you know, it's, it's about a guy or about a girl or a woman and, it's pretty, mm-hmm. can't go that far with it. But with her music, you know, you, you can go deep. As far as, you know, you talk talk about the song going all over the place. Mm-hmm. And. I like that. I like that about her stuff. I like that she doesn't stick to a pop structure because she's not pop. She really isn't. No. No, she's. Kate Bush. I mean, there's, yeah. There's, there's no. Kate Bush is her own genre. She's <laughs> right. that awesome. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, you know, and you can always hear it, and in, and in, in, uh, you can tell when an artist has been listening to Kate Bush. You can just tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but what I was going to say is, as far as the, the song going all over the place, she, you know, that's really where the emotion is. If you know what I mean, because she takes you way up high and, and her facial expressions, like I say, the video goes with the song. And, mm-hmm. and then she takes you really into the gut with the lows and, uh, you know, with the bean and, uh, you know, without that, it would be, it would be much more flat of a song. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how the hook that she she gets us with. On that song, you know, yeah, just kind of like you know taking taking you for a little roller coaster ride of ups and downs with the range, and that's part of what I like about her music is that she does that, yeah, 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 it almost makes it feel like a I also kind of got this feeling of this song kind of almost being like a Broadway kind of song because it it does go up and down Uh like a lot of musical theater songs do because they're going with the emotion of the person who's singing. Yeah, I do a lot of her songs. Uh, Yeah. um, This this song, uh, if if I was to, this is one of the songs, if I was to uh, try to... Turn somebody on to Kate Bush who didn't know anything about Kate Bush. This would be one of the first songs that I would break out. Me too. Because how can you say it's not a beautiful song? Nobody can say. You know, a lot of her songs are weird and you have to take takes a while to sink in. But mm-hmm. this one hits you right off. As soon as you hear it. Yep. You know, and it, it, <laughs> and if you can't hear it, I don't know. Right. Lay out your ears. <laughs> right. So you know this song stands stands up to any song mm-hmm. out there. You know. So, I agree. Song, not just and any Kate Bush song. Any song. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if you've heard her demos online. You mean the Kathy demos? Yeah. 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 Yes. So mm-hmm. you know she's a natural. She has a beautiful voice, untrained. So mm-hmm. there, yeah, there does seem to be a uh, line that she crossed. It's an ever-evolving voice. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, even now, like, it almost like listening to her on that uh, her first album, and then say listening to Before the Dawn, <laughs> it's almost not even the same 
singer. No, it's not. It's not. And because uh, her voice is so much lower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, uh, someone told me that she sounded like Mrs. Doubtfire. If you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what that means. I don't quite know about right, that. Right. But uh, um, I kind of call it like a buttermilk sound. Does that make any sense to I think it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That you know, if you're not a Kate Bush fan and you sit down and listen to, you know, the first couple of the Act One uh, vocals, you know, you you gotta you gotta get used to the water. It's a little little odd to the ear, you know, as Mm -hmm. Kate always has been. But uh, you know, I love it, of course. You know, to Mm -hmm. me, you know. But being a longtime fan, I'm sure that, that I'm seeing it through skewed ears. But uh, um, by the time she gets to the third act of Before the Dawn, I mean, her voice is just ambrosia to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm not trained in musician and I don't know much about music. Only instrument I can play is the radio. But, you know, I like what I hear. So I know, you know, I know what I like and. And considering she actually had a pretty pretty positive, by all accounts, um, childhood. Uh, like she had two older brothers that were always hanging around her and showing her music. And her dad was very loving. He was the one that showed her how to play piano. Uh, so it's kind of not surprising, honestly, that she doesn't do any like, oh my god, this guy did me wrong, ramen kind of right. song. Right. There's a very few. Yeah, there's, there's a couple. Get out of my house, of course, is yeah. the first one that comes to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's her famous uh, uh, breakup song at the end of of the Red Shoes. Oh yeah, you're the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, that's about as far as she gets. Uh, um, Never be mine, of course. Oh yeah, is a song that's near and dear to my heart because of where I was at the time when that came out. You know, so. But, but yeah, in general, like her songs are pretty positive toward men. Yeah, and I think it's because she had such a positive experience. Sure, sure. In, in her upbringing, and um, you know, running up that hill, deal with God, you know, directly relates to that. In that, she's not saying she's not even saying you know you don't you know I wish you could sympathize with me. She's saying. Let us both exchange places because she wants to see where mm-hmm. the man is coming from as well as it's not like she's demanding that the man see where she's coming from. She's she's honestly saying she wants I'm, to see things as also as how he right, does. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, she's and not a lot of female singers or songwriters do that. No, no, no. It's usually, uh, you know. Like Lord, right now we're we're playing a lot of that new Lord album and Greenlight. That whole album is about uh, a bad breakup, really. If you listen to it, you know. I've had to listen to that one because I'm I'm still listening to her first one, yeah. which I really really like because it is so unique. Oh yeah, yeah. She's and of course she she uh, she cites Kate Bush as her inspiration. And I can hear that because both of them kind of have this very mature way of looking at things Uh and a very, very, a wonderful sense of metaphor, which is mainly what struck me about 
Lorda's first album that I went, hey, this is, hmm. Right, and, and, and even in her video, she uses the facial expressions and, you know, she, mm-hmm. I can tell, you know, I can see the Kate Bush influences all over, you know. Uh, maybe it's me, but, you know, a lot of these artists do claim her as an inspiration, so. And, of course, the big one is Tori. Yeah. Because I don't know if you're really familiar with Tori Amos. Sure, sure. Sure. I don't understand why the two of them get lumped together than the fact that they play piano and they might, they're a little bit different. Uh-huh. They have very different approaches to their music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like Tori is much more personal. Mm-hmm. Kate is more of a storyteller. Right. Yeah, Tori, she's singing about herself and her own personal experiences, right? Where, where Kate is coming up with a character and sitting putting yourself into a character's you know you're you're supposed to yeah you know it's not necessarily kate it, it's it's yeah. singing about you know this character you know so but the, sometimes we wonder we always you know she'll say it's not her but we're like come on we can we can feel you kate yeah <laughs> Well, especially on this song, I th- I know she's projecting and she's probably trying to project a character, but uh-huh. I feel like that's I feel like it's more sure, fun. sure, of course it is, you know. Well, and, and you know, because it's just too close to the heart, to you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Weathering Heights. No, you know, obviously it's not her, you know. Oh yeah. Right. So. And, and you know, maybe even that whole album is one of her most personal albums because just because she wrote it as most of those lyrics as a kid. But uh, um, you know, as time goes by, she definitely puts herself in a different a different light. Um, yep. It's a, you know. The, the kick inside and and um, and of course this song were the two that, that I really liked and gravitated towards and feel it of course mm-hmm. you know the, the the her at her piano you know, just her and her piano I wish she would right. do like a tour of just her and the piano like right people will people really will pay to see you do that kate seriously <laughs> like the dancers and the theatrical stuff is really cool yeah. but just you and a piano <sighs> well you know i think she wants to give everyone their money's worth or something special so yeah I, yeah I, I don't know what what her motive what she thinks she, i think i suspect that she sees herself through a different lens than the rest of the world sees her you know what i mean you know i wish she could see herself through our eyes maybe she'd understand mm-hmm. so i don't know she she states that she's not interesting <laughs> Which, i think her fans would beg to differ <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's Cause. she's very interesting yeah and on so many levels you know
the single version of the song uh-huh. is not that much different from the album version, but they inserted at the beginning, there's a part that says, he's, he, he's, he's here. here. Yeah, yeah. Right, which is cheesy, but at the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. it's a little che- cheesy, but it, it's sweet. Right, yeah. Now, have you heard the live version that she did on the Tour of Life? Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did a live, the Tour of Life. I've seen, I've seen the full version on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And once again, just Kate and her piano. Yeah, except for the little musical interlude that she has right before the song as she's interacting with the dancers on stage. But yeah, for the mo- for pretty much it's just her and the piano, which is awesome. So and a little note here about live versions here. I like listening to artists kind of revamp their songs live. And Kate doesn't really do that. She's only ever done... Two sets of concerts. The first one was in 1979. It was just a tour of Europe. It was called the Tour of Life. Uh, at the time, I would think it was just called the Kate Bush Tour, but over time, it's been called the Tour of Life. And then she did a set of shows in 2014, known as Before the Dawn. And she didn't do this song on her Before the Dawn. She just stuck with Hounds of Love through uh, the Red Shoes a little bit and Ariel, which were her later work. It would have been interesting to hear her sing this in 2014, but alas, all we, we, but we do have her singing this live in officially released that version because there's a like an interlude part right before it uh-huh. right bef- right as she's finishing up the previous song and she's there's this pretty little interlude on that somebody else is playing on the piano and yeah. the synthesizer before she goes over to the piano and she starts like do 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 right right part. right you know I'm like oh well, that's that really whole, cool i like that she kind of switched that up when she did it live you know that that whole tour of life um, it almost reminds me of like Cirque du Soleil. I mean, it all has mm-hmm. like this, you know, circus, almost it circus feels... feel to it. And, and you know, it was, it's, yeah. did she inv- invent that? She uh, helped to invent the, um, the yeah, headset the, the mic. Yeah, I knew that, which also was invented. It was a woman sound engineer who, who came up with that, by the way, so... 
kudos for the oh, gals. Yeah, she talked about this gal bent a coat, literally bent a coat hanger. It's, it's literally oh, a oh, coat yeah, hanger. <laughs> yep. No, she. It, when I watch the um, the clips on YouTube uh-huh. of that tour, it makes me think of like the predecessor for pretty much every pop star that does a big concert now. Sure, sure. Like if you look at like clips of I'm sure okay, well I've seen I've seen her live. Mm. Lady Gaga. Right. Like how Lady Gaga she had when I went to see her live a couple of years ago with my husband because we both like her music, she was coming out with tons of dancers and she had all sorts of special effects and things going on. And watching Kate's show feels like the predecessor for those especially with the headset mic being able to dance sure. and sing at the same well, time well, madonna's the obvious example with her bo- with oh, her yeah, boy yeah. toys you know <laughs> kate had her boy toys way before madonna had her boy toys mm-hmm. you know and before lady gaga came out in an egg uh, kate bush came out in an egg you got it <laughs> right and for, for a room of room for the life there you go all right um you know, there's also a version of her on the Christmas special. I hear him before I go to sleep and focus on the day that's been. That's really, really sweet. And then the Saturday Night Live version is very beautiful. And Paul on the piano is just wonderful. That, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of my favorite versions, you know. That her voice is completely different on that one. But, uh, no, because that, that was recorded, you know, when she was 15, and this at this point in yeah, 1978, she's, she's 79, 20. she's 20. Yeah. Nobody knows about my man. Nobody knows about my talk about it being a different person that's that was my first expression first thought is that's not her but then you know <laughs> i was thinking she was gonna be a 16 year old you know but uh by the time the song was over I, <laughs> so you know thank god for vcrs back then you know uh, mm-hmm. the video was huge with me i used to you know record uh it was before mtv but i used to record music all the time and and make my own custom recordings on my sony betamax and oh cool (laughs) yeah you know so those of course those tapes are long gone forever yeah i know a lot of collectors and people on the fan sites they still have their old video recordings and like how (laughs) i still i know i still have a lot of my VHS tapes, and honestly, a lot of them I need to kind of, not kind of, a lot of them I need to convert to digital so I can, because we have a media library, my husband and I, uh-huh. that we put all our VHSs and sure. everything into. Yeah, I'm afraid to play them because uh, they might get eaten. <laughs> 
So just for fun, I thought it would be really cool to include some cover versions of The Man with the Child in His Eyes. I found quite a few on the treasure trove known as YouTube. <laughs> and what I really like in cover versions is people who make the song their own and they don't just do it straight. Like they do something with it to make it different. And probably the most interesting cover version that I came across is one from a Scottish pop duo who never made it in the U.S. I had to look up who they were because I'd never heard of them before. But they were called Hue and Cry, and they did a cover of The Man with the Child in His Eyes. And they do something really interesting with the pronouns in the song where every time Kate sang I, they sang you. You hear him before you go to sleep, focus on the day that's been. You realize he's there when you turn the light off and turn over. Do not be worried or worried about your man. They think. The last on some horizon And I now Here you are again, my love Wonder what on earth We are doing here Nah, nah, nah I that I do not love you Well, I just took a trip On my love for you Nah, 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 nah. Here again And the other cover version I found was from a woman, and I know her because she's super popular in France. It's Tina Arena, another person who's never made it in the U.S. here. But she did a version of Man with a Child in His Eyes that sounds very much like her and what else I've heard from her, where she has this kind of soulful vibe, and that's what she ends up doing with her version. He's very understanding and he's so aware of all my situations. And when I stay up late, he's always waiting, but I feel him, I hesitate. Another version that I found was from an Italian singer named Zenima, Z-E-N-I-M-A. I don't know anything about her except that she's an Italian singer. And she did an Italian adaptation of Man with a Child in His Eyes, but she called it Domani Dimentigerai, which means tomorrow you'll forget. And I don't understand enough Italian to capture every word she's saying. And I tried looking at the lyrics like to compare what Kate sang versus the Italian version. And I couldn't find anything. But the couple of words that I did catch made me realize that I think this is more of an adaptation rather than a direct translation of what was sung. But it was really interesting to hear this melody in Italian. Thank you. 
to me. This one is from Ian Emerson and he's playing and singing this on the ukulele. I hear him before I go to sleep focus on the day that's been I realize he's there as I turn the light off and turn over Nobody knows about my man They think he's lost on some Yeah, I think we pretty honestly I think we pretty much talked about everything. I'm looking at my show notes and everything. I did the story behind the song. Okay, I mean, I can't think of much else. I mean, mm-hmm. I, can you pl- you play this song on the radio, on the piano, excuse me, and perform this song yourself? No, I would have to practice it. Okay, because I, I saw a little video clip of you playing the piano in a oh. sh- coffee shop. Where were you? Yeah, that was a. It's a shop around here. I'm in a, I'm in southeastern Virginia near. Um, if you're, if you know where Virginia Beach is. Yeah. I'm near the coast, okay. and um, I was playing in a local antique store uh. a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Okay, because um, it was a little French antique store, and I got hired to play some French music, so I sang and played French music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd have to practice the man with the child in his eyes because there are so many chord changes. Yeah. Well. Of course, the music nerd in me—I love listening to her music because I like—I like, I'll go. Whoa, you use that chord right. after that chord? That is completely unexpected. Well, you know, you got to wonder whether it's just because she's not really classically trained piano player that she just did what she wanted and didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Just did it on instinct. Mm-hmm. Or was she on purposely being clever? Or I think it was just her going with whatever emotion she's trying to convey yeah. and if she has a couple chords next to each other that you wouldn't normally yeah. expect no, and nobody i think that's part of her style nobody told her that she wasn't supposed to do that she just did it <laughs> right yeah she just did it yeah and plus i mean sh- I, i'm aware that she listened to some pop music with the beatles and everything but the impression i get is that she listened to a lot of folk music mm-hmm. And everything, and those tend to have more unusual chord progression. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show here. It was great to talk to you. I love just learning about Kate Bush. And Yes, yeah. really nice <laughs> meeting you and talking to you. I could talk to you probably for another hour. Same here. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on, and definitely be talking later. If you have an absolute favorite Kate Bush song, or you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to, 
follow me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast or email me, KB, that's B as a boy, KBCast at linkmedia.com. And if you want to talk about a favorite Kate song or songs with me on a later episode because you're just dying to talk about it with a fellow fan, definitely email me or tweet at me. I would love to hear from you. See everybody next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.